This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. All right, so welcome everybody. First of all, Mazal Tov on the Chatan and the Kala. We're going to do the topic of resurrection. I guess it's good technically for Chatan and Kala. You want to know how long you'll be together, no? <laughs> Maybe we should speak about how long you're going to be together in the next world. You know, they say a joke about the old... Uh, there's a rabbi who was giving a speech in the old age home. And in the old age home, he was like, uh, you know, he was telling the people, he says, you know, and whoever you are in this world, you're going to be together with them in the next world. And then you hear like an old man in the, you know, in the back, oh, you got to be kidding me. He says, I thought I would get rid of her finally. He's nagging me nonstop. So um, we'll see also, if you do, this is why it's an interesting topic also, I guess, uh, on today, is that you'll see... Not because of Halloween, but because of the Chatan Um That if you if you go and you and you marry somebody, let's say you get resurrected, do you stay married to that person? Do you have to do kiddushim again? How does that work? There's also you come back oh, we're going to speak about all that. So we're going to what are we going to speak about? We're speaking about first of all who gets resurrected. Does everybody get resurrected? Uh, when does resurrection occur? What's the order of the resurrection? Is it going to be roll call? How is exactly it's going to go? Um, where do we see proof from the Torah that there is a resurrection? Uh, which body? Let's say you've been back, you've came in a reincarnation mul- multiple times. So which body will, will get resurrected? Also an interesting question, what about if a, a woman is pregnant and she miscarries? Does that baby get resurrected? That baby was never born, never had a... Does that baby have a uh, ability to get resurrected? And also we'll speak about what is the purpose of resurrection. <coughs> Another something that we'll hopefully we'll get into, something very interesting, <coughs> is genetic cloning. Can we do resurrection through something that's more scientific? So, let's begin in Mizat Shem, we'll be able to uncover, and then hopefully we'll get a little bonus for the Chatan Kala, being that they heard so much about the, the um, you know, marriage stuff, so we'll give them, as they said, we'll give them a little bit about resurrection, and then hopefully, maybe afterwards, we'll tell them something which they for sure have not heard on Chatan Kala. We'll see how uh, positive that will come out. <laughs> okay. So first of all, first and foremost, the ability, resurrection, it's not like, oh, it's a Kabbalistic concept, but you know, it's a part of the 13th principles of faith. In fact, the 13th of the 13 principles of faith is you have to believe that there is going to be a resurrection. It's not something that's far-fetched, it will happen. And that is the, uh, um, it's a fundamental of Judaism. So, resurrection, it's not something like, oh, you know, I can't, I, I can't even imagine it. Like, what is it going to be? Is it going to be like a zombie apocalypse, uh, minus the eating the brains part? Like, what is the resurrection that it's in a sense, we don't know for the, you know, the full aspect of it. Like, you know, in my mind, you know, which is always very, very imaginative, and I have, my imagination goes like crazy. Like, what I see is like, literally the scene of like, you know, graveyard, and like a hand comes out, you know, then like, you know, like a guy walks out of the, out of the grave, and then you see like a, horde of like hundreds of thousands of people like just walking out of the graveyard. Uh, but we'll, that Bezat Hashem, we'll see when it actually comes. We'll let us understand the basic concepts of it. So first of all, how will it be in the time frame? Number one, the sequence of it working out is, first of all, the Bet HaMikdash will be rebuilt. Then there will be an ingathering of exiles. So all the people all over the world will come back, will come to Israel, to Israel. And 40 years later will be the resurrection of the dead. Now, the... There really, there's going to be, it's not one resurrection, this is where people are usually unclear, there's going to be two resurrections. The first one will be in the beginning of the days of Mashiach, and this is when all the righteous people will get resurrected. And then 40 years later will be where everybody else, the regular general population will get resurrected. So who could get, if you want to jump to the front of the line, if you want to be resurrected first, and you do, it's not something you can be like, no, it's okay, you know, I'll take the second train out. You want to be the first, you want to be of the first uh, ones there. So, 
Number one is for some people that that, that they learn Torah, and for, for example, for women, that they help their husbands learn, learn Torah. And we'll explain this more about it in, in depth. Additionally, people that long to see Yerushalayim rebuilt. There's some people, you know, that they have this desire to see Jerusalem get rebuilt again to its previous glory. You look now in Israel, it looks beautiful. But it's not in the glory that it was, especially in the spiritual aspect of things. So, the, um, the first people to be resurrected will be the people that live in Israel. Afterwards will be the debt of the other land. And after that will be the patriarch, the Avot. The Avot, the Abraham, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they'll be resurrected at the end. Think of it as you coming to a reunion. Um, a family reunion, let's say. So, it, it's, it's much nicer, thank you, Savik. It's much nicer if you have, you know, like, the, the grandparents, the, the, the patriarchs and the matriarchs of the family, they come in at the end, they see the entire family there, everybody's there, everybody's wealthy, all the righteous people. You know, so, the same idea, the Avot will come at the, at the end. So, what about those that are alive in the time of the resurrection? So there are people that passed away so they'll get resurrected. But those that are alive at the time of the re- resurrection, the Zohar says that they will die momentarily and then they will come back to life again. Why? Because the Pasuk in Genesis, in Bereshi, chapter 3, verse 19, it says, From dust you came, from dust you're going to return. As a fulfillment of the verse, they will die and then they will come back to life. However... There is a way to um, to avoid even the death at the end, and that is if somebody becomes humble. When somebody's humble, they are like dust, and if they are like dust, they're already humble. They already reach. They already have the fulfillment of the pasuk ki afarata. You already are like dust, and hence they won't have to go and die again and have to be uh, resurrected as well. But there's also another important aspect of it. We know that there's uh, four basic elements of the, uh, of the world: there's fire, air, water, and Dirt? Earth? I don't know. Did I say something twice? I don't know. Fire, air, water. Yeah. yeah. So, when a righteous person does a, a mitzvah or anybody does a mitzvah, you elevate sparks. So you're able to do all these different parts of the elevation, but when a, per, when a righteous person dies and gets resurrected, so it also gets the, the ground part, um, you know, uplifting the sparks that were the, the nitzotzot that were, that were left in there. Okay. So where do we see proof of resurrection from the Torah? This is not something, we know that everything has a source in the Torah. I, I, let me rephrase that, because not everything that the people, that that's Torah concept, the truth is, everything has source in the Torah. But, particularly things that we say from the Torah, all have source in the actual, in the actual Torah. So we see in the Torah in Deuteronomy, chapter 32, verse 39. It says, I cause death and grant life. This is God talking. In Isaiah, chapter 26, verse 19, it says, May your dead live. And my corpse shall rise. Again, a reference to resurrection. Book of Daniel, chapter 12, verse 2. And the many who sleep in the dust of the earth will awaken. Again, another, um, another mention of resurrection from the Torah. And also we have another one in, chapter, in Exodus, chapter 15, verse 1. As Yashir Moshe, this is what we pray every single day. As Yashir Moshe, then Moses will sing. What's then? Then means into the future. Because now he's saying that he's saying a song, but as Yeshua Moshe, in the days of the resurrection, in the days of Mashiach, Moshe is going to also sing, and this is also in reference to the um, to the Torah. And of course, we can't you know have to have an honorable mention to Ezekiel chapter thirty-seven. This is the the, the valley of the dry bones when they got resurrected from um, from the ground. So it wasn't. This is we'll speak about it also the 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 concept of this. How did it work? But. Think of it that there was a resurrection at one point in time. Now we'll see if it was figuratively or it was actually literal. So, 
to think about it that people come back to death should not be something that's far-fetched. You know, we have something called, uh, it's nowadays, it's scientifically, uh, again, it's not really scientifically proven because I don't know how much you can prove it scientifically, but it is, you know, documented case to case again. It's called the NDE. NDE is near-death experiences. Now, you guys are familiar, you guys should be familiar. I've been mentioning this before. Where somebody is clinically dead and they come back to life. I already, I spoke to a few people that had this experience. And when you could say that it's one person, okay, so maybe, you know, he did a little bit too much shrooms or whatever it is, and he ended up, you know, thinking that he died. And, he, you know, you see like these people that, I, I spoke to people once who, who've done, um, there's something, I, I don't want to give ideas, uh, but I guess it tells you the people that I deal with. Um, they did some, there's some sort of legal drug. I've said this story before. I think it's hilarious. Every time I think about this story, I just, I, I can't hold myself back and laughing. It's a legal synthetic type of drug that makes you hallucinate. It like lasts for like 15 minutes and I don't know. I don't want to give any ideas anyways. You should not do it. But I had two students of mine years ago that they, they took it. And I, you know, it's just, so one of them was very into sports. So he said that the entire time that he was on this, I guess we'll call it the shrooms, he had, um, he had two voices in his head, like announcers at a game that were announcing everything that was going on. <laughs> Alright? Um, and, and that's how he was just like walking around and there were announcers that, that they, so he was, it was like he was watching a game, but it was in his own life. Uh, and there was another one who also did it, who I can't do it now, but if I would stand up, he could not, well I'll do it. This is how he could, he could not walk, right? That's all he was able to walk. Like he could not, and for like 15 minutes, he was like that. He couldn't get up straight. So, you know, we're, we're all in New York, so we actually see these people all the time, um, especially if you take the subway. So, you know, but, but it's interesting. It's not talking about somebody who are like, okay, so he took some of those things and he thought he died and then he went up to heaven and he spoke to God and then he spoke to a few other people and then he came back down again and he's the Messiah and now you gotta follow him. They're not talking about someone like that. I'm talking about, you know, somebody who actually was clinically dead, which means is that in the hospital, he had no heartbeat. What clinically dead is no heartbeat, no brainwaves, nothing. Sheet over the head. Toe, you know, ribbon on his whatever, ribbon on his toe. I don't know what you, what you call those things. Uh, they were like clinically dead for X amount of time, and then they came back to life. And then the the I, this is not a class about near death experience, but just so you have understanding, they were able to explain everything that was going around around them. They were able to say there there are cases that were documented that patients that were clinically dead in the hospital, they died on the operating table, and the patient somehow came back to life at a later given point in time and they were able to exactly say what the nurse was doing what the doctor was doing where they were going what they were wearing what they were running what the, exactly what they were saying and the doctors have no explanation for this how is it possible if you were dead if if you want to say you were hurt it subconsciously when you're under anesthesia whatever very unlikely but still fine but you were clinically dead how did you know everything that was going on so we see over here there are cases that are documented that people died and came back to life so this is understandable, this we can understand because it happened nowadays but to understand somebody that not only died but is in the ground and it could be nothing left of them or very little left of them, the bones or whatever is left of them, and they could come back to life, that's mind-boggling, it's crazy. So who gets resurrected? The Gamas cites three opinions. Number one is everybody. Let's hope that this is the opinion that we go with, and let's hope that everybody gets resurrected. Number two are only those people that are buried in El Israel, only the people that are buried in Israel, and everybody else who gets resurrected has to actually roll through the ground, I don't know if it's somersault, but I'm saying go through the ground uh, to Israel and then get resurrected in Israel. We'll speak about the subterranean tunnels uh, um, also. And thirdly, anybody who uses the light of Torah. Torah, we're going to soon see tonight, has a very, 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 very strong implication and, uh, you, know, you know, attraction. It's closely related to resurrection. There are, um, you know... There are people, the, let me, uh, we'll start it like this. The Chafetz Chaim and the Beta Levi, 
say that if you have mitzvot and good deeds, these are not going to help you with the resurrection. Resurrection can only be helped through the light of the Torah. You know, you have people, I hear this all the time, and it, it, it's just like, it bothers me. Now the time here, I'm a good person, Rabbi. No, I'm a good person, I do good, and okay, fine, you know, I don't keep Shabbat, I don't keep kosher, but what, am I a sinner? Am I, am I a bad person? I'm a good person. I'm like, who is judging? Is it subjective, objective? Like, who are you to decide that you're a good person? Like, what, by what criteria? By the government's criteria, are you a good person? So you pay taxes? Very nice. So you have social security when you get older and you won't get thrown in jail. But if you want to consider yourself a good person, then you have to look consider yourself, you want to consider yourself a good person to God, then you have to look at what God says will require you to be a good person. A good person doesn't just mean to do good. There's actually, you have to keep Shabbat. You have to keep kosher. You have to be modest. You have to do certain amount of things. And, and these people, the reason why I bother you a lot, I'm like, you don't even know about God. You don't even study about God. You know nothing about the Torah and you claim to yourself to be a, a, a good person. That is such an idiotic statement that makes absolutely no sense. I'll give you another example. Imagine a guy goes to a doctor and the doctor says, in order for you to be better, you need to take this very, very bitter medication. And the guy says, you know, with all due respect, doctor, I, I definitely hear you about this medication, but it's really bitter. I don't like it. I'm going to take something else. The doctor says, with all due respect to you, that's not going to do anything for you. And he says, listen, I'm taking medicine. Stop getting on my back. What's the difference what medicine I'm taking? It's going to make me better. That's exactly what it's like. So this guy is taking medicine that has nothing to do with what it's going to, what's going to help him. And he thinks it's going to make him heal. The same way someone who will consider himself a good person doesn't follow the Torah. That you want to know what's a good person, you have to follow the Torah. The Torah will, will tell you what's, what is to be a good uh, person and what is not. The, um, you know, the, the, there's also, Rabbi Yitzhak Hutter says that, also somebody who dies and sanctifies God's name. So through death, he sanctifies God's name. Um, and this, even if he doesn't have the light of Torah, he would still get resurrected. So it's like dying al Kiddush Hashem. Now, this is something else that bothers me. A lot of things that bother me today. It's been a tough week. Alright, so, um, you know, you have people that, that pass away, unfortunately, at a very young age. And I've been to, I've been to, unfortunately, too many funerals. I don't want to go anymore. Please, you know, no, no more, please. <laughs> so um, I'm talking about young guys, young people, young people's funeral. And what do I hear generally? God takes his best. He took his soldiers to be with him at the end. I'm like, this guy is a Mechalel Shabbat. I'm pretty sure he was a drug dealer too. I'm pretty sure that he did X amount of things. His best soldiers? I'm like, if you think this guy is God's best soldiers then God does not have a good army. I mean, no, you know, like, it's, it's for sure not. Where, where do you get that? People, it's consolation. Which, of course, you know, we're not to judge anybody, especially people that pass away. But like, you know, there are people that got, let's say, there's one guy in particular, right? He got shot. He got, you know, in like, in the very, very, you know, not a great situation. And um, pretty sure it was a drug deal gone bad. That's what I'm pretty sure what that, what it got you. And people go and talk up to him as this guy is, is that Sadiq Adoladol. I'm like, you gotta be realistic. We have to be realistic. Dying al-Kiddush Hashem doesn't just mean that you're dying and you're a Jew. It means that, you know, that you're dying and you sanctify God's name as, you know, as you died. Chaim, Chaim Kanievsky says that this is something very, very important because I think people don't take this, this thing, uh, serious enough. Anybody, everybody here familiar with something called Malave Malka? Malave Malka is, you have three meals on Shabbat. Right? You have three meals on Shabbat. There's also a fourth meal. This is not like a bonus meal, like, Hey, you know, like you ate so much on Shabbat, you know what, just, just tack on another thing. It's not going to hurt you another three pounds or whatever. You know, go eat at midnight in the summer. You know, it's going to be good for you. And it's not like a bonus thing. You are supposed to and you are required to eat Malava Malka. Malava Malka is a fourth meal that it's after Shabbat ends, you eat another meal, sort of like um, um, sending away the, the Shabbat queen. The Rabbi Chaim Kanievsky says that even if one learns Torah 
and one dies for the sake of heaven. He dies like he does Shem, but if he doesn't eat Malav and Malka, he's not going to get resurrected. Why? What's so special about Malav and Malka? There is a special bone in the body. The bone in the body is called the Luz bone. The Luz bone is the bone that where you get resurrected from. Um, again, my imagination. My imagination thinks of it like this. Um, so, you, you know, like, uh, you have like, um, I don't know how they do it now, but I remember when I was a kid, so you have like transformers or like, uh, you know, like different things like that, like, Oh, you know, like, they just do something, and then, like, pieces fly. I might not be Transformers, I don't know. It's talking about years back. Uh, Bokstrom, I don't remember it anymore. But you have, like, metal pieces flying from all directions, and they sort of, like, like, ding, 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 ding. You know, it's like, you know, like, or maybe it's Power Rangers, I don't know. You know, like, and they come, and they come back together, and they all, you know, morph into, like, one big, you know, thing. Uh, it, that's not how it's gonna work in the, in the time of the, of Tehatamatim. It's gonna be, there's gonna be one bone. There's one bone we're soon gonna discuss where it may be, and from that one bone, it, everything gets reconstructed. The entire body gets reconstructed. Where does this bone get nourished from? It gets nourished from the food that you eat after Shabbat for Malava Malka. And in fact, when you eat Malava Malka, you should say, I'm eating for Malava Malka. I'm eating, you can have pizza, you can have whatever, you know. You have to wash for it? It's better to wash, but if you can, at least have a mizonot. Oh, you people put it in the back over here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> really? That's very interesting. Because there's another opinion where the bo- bo's, uh, bone is. I don't, people don't put wine there. It's in the, it's called the coccyx bone. Coccyx bone is the bottom of the spine. Oh, the the bottom of the spine. Tailbone. Tailbone. Oh, so, <laughs> so you could see people go like this maybe, I don't know. Um, but, uh, but the point is not to, you know, not to massage it with, uh, liquid from the, from the kiddush, but rather to eat milava malka, uh, for it. So, the, to understand a little bit, uh, further, you have, you know, so our service of God is rewarded in two ways. Number one is after a soul dies, the soul goes, you know, hopefully to heaven, and heaven is called Gan Eden. That's where what heaven is called. So that is one. Number two, which is the ultimate reward, is going to be in Olamaba, the world to come, where it will descend once again to the soul, descend once again into the body, and then it will live together in harmony, um, in like in a utopian type of a, 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 a scenario. So now the not all, speak about it like this, not all bodies get resurrected. There are some people that don't get resurrected. Um, so first of all, the, we know the Rambam in Hilchot Shuvah, third paragraph of Hilchot Shuvah says that there is 24, if I'm not, no, 13 categories, 24. There's a certain amount of category of people um, that do not have a share in the world to come. And then Chalak Olam So you have people, for example, you have people that uh, don't believe in God. People that uh, don't believe in the prophecy of Moshe, do not believe in the Torah. People that, uh, Mosel, they give over Jews to the government. Uh, you have uh, people that uh, sin in public. People that commit, that help other people sin. Not, I'm sorry, help. That they make, the Mahdita Rabim, they make other people sin with them. Um, people that rebel. People, you know, that uh, um, say that God is numerous. There's more than one God. There's three gods, whatever. There are different, uh, different ideas in it. So those people have no share in the world to come. Those people, however, if they do tshuva, they are still able to get resurrected as, as well. There's also in the time of Yechezkel, the, the, the resurrection of the dry bones, there was, there were like, everybody got resurrected except for like one. There was like one bone that didn't get resurrected. So Yechezkel asked, what's, what's with this one bone? Why is this not getting resurrected? So they said that this person lent money to Jews on interest. And that is also some, someone who lends money to Jews on interest also <coughs> doesn't get up in the resurrection. But of course, this is assuming that they didn't do tshuva. If one does tshuva, he can do tshuva on anything. What about a divorce? Here's something very interesting. So a divorce, so a woman gets divorced. A husband and a, and a wife go and they get divorced. 
and then she goes and she marries her second husband. Who does she stay married to in the in the um, after the Tchiatimetim? The first you say? First is the best, Uno. Um, so the answer is actually the second. Second. The second there's the one that you say is the, is the second husband. Let me ask you a, a similar question. What about a widow? A widow that she she's widowed and she goes and she marries a second husband. Who does she go? So this is actually a machloket. So some people say first, and some people say it says the second. Some people say the reason why, because widow is similar to divorce. Other people say that, you know, no, it's, it's not considered, it's not the same idea, and hence she goes back to the first. And in fact, you know, uh, it's very unfortunate because if you speak to people that are widowed, um, and they get married again, generally what they, they feel, and this is not always, but they feel, you know, like, they'll, they'll I mean, they, hopefully they won't say in front of their spouse, but they're like, you know, there's nothing like the first one. I've spoke to somebody who was a widow, and, and they mentioned also, you know, like, they married the second time, now I don't know how, you know, I'm not saying that they're unhappily married, but there's something missing that's not like the first, uh, um, the first husband, the first spouse. Okay, so now, now let's speak about people that get reincarnated, right? So you have, let's say, your particular body, your particular soul came back down to this world five times. Who gets reincarnated? Do all you come together? Let's say you're ten times. You have a minyan with yourself, like, hey, you know, be like, all right, all of me, let's go. We're gonna go pray, you know, together. We're gonna do. It. Like, how does that work? Does it? Is it just the last one? Is it the best one? Is it the worst one? Is it the first one? So, the Arizal explains. First of all, we have to understand what, what's the point of reincarnation. So we know reincarnation, it's not generally, and it, it, this is generally, you know, you could always look back to, we gave the three classes on reincarnation. It's not a bonus. It's not like, you know what, you did such a good job over here. Um, why don't you go go back again, you know, like, yeah, yeah, just go play again. You know, when you finish a game, right, let's say you waste your life playing um, video games. Um, I don't know what they're up to. PlayStation 4, 5, 6, 7, 4? They're up to only 4? In my yeah, day and age, you're up to one. But it's PlayStation Pro, like that. Oh, it's like yeah, PlayStation, like, like 360, military, 720. Has, like, the military already has a PlayStation 7. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, they have the Slim, the Pro the military. military. Oh, they, they went in ahead. Like the These things don't come out every year? No. Oh, oh I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't mean to take an offense. Every 10 years, they take out another... Like every GTA comes out with a new one. <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 no, What do you mean, no? Alien, I don't know what that... Oh, a computer Alienware. Okay, whatever it is, say say somebody is is um, is going and they're wasting life in the in the game. Why do I say waste your life? Any gamer could 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 testify to it. You're not going to be like, all right, let me do like a quick game, like 30 minutes. No, it's like you come out and be like, what day is it? You know, like it's like, oh, the sun, right? You have like seven bottles of sun kiss near you. You have another bottle that looks like apple juice, but it's probably not. Um, and you're like, you're, you're coming out over there, you know, you haven't shaved in like weeks, you know, you've been like, well, you know, like, and you're, you're like coming out of the cave over here, you know, you know like out of, uh, out of, you know, back to humanity. Um, you've been living off chips and soda for the past like, uh, four days. So you stay over there, you waste, you know, like, you know, a significant amount of time. But imagine you spend a lot, a long time, you spend, I don't know what's a hard game. Uh, you know, I you know I, I would say Mario, but it, uh, that's I'm very dated. I know there's other things. What is that shooting game called? Rainbow Six Siege, Call of Duty. <laughs> Call of Duty. That's a that's a popular one. So let's say I don't know how Call of Duty works, but let's say you you go and you pass. Can you you could you could finish the whole game, right? You can't finish the whole game. Okay. You're multiplayer. What do you mean no? Uh, multiplayer. Okay. I don't know how it works anymore. Back in my day, there were levels, and you pass the levels, and you know, like Mario. But yeah, once you save no, the princess, that's it. You got. You can't go save another princess. Be like, oh, I don't like you anymore. I'm gonna go save another princess. Um, the sages. Let's say. Let's say it's a game that's linear. You finish the game. It's Gamalnu. It's finished. You know, Shalom Al You can come back to real reality. Let's say it's one of those games. You finish the entire game. 
How many people would be like, you know, let me start again from the beginning? There are, there are a few people, there are a few people, but generally you're like, okay, time to move on to bigger and better things like Call of Duty 2 or 3 or 4, right? Like, you know, important things in life. So, um, you, you don't usually do it again. Why do you do it again when you can't pass it? So you keep on trying again and again and again when you can't pass it. The similar idea with reincarnation. I'm not saying there are righteous people that, that did an excellent job in the previous life. They're coming back to help other people, so that's possible. But generally, we messed up. we got to come back again in this world. What to fix? Because we didn't pass the level. Think of it, we didn't pass the level. So we have to go again and we have to pass the level. We didn't get enough power-ups. Maybe we didn't collect enough coins. Whatever it is, we ran out of fuel. We didn't pass it up. Sometimes we go backwards. You ever know you'd go driving and you just, it's like wrong way, wrong way. You know, like some people, that's how they live their life. It's entire ways are like wrong way. Instead of getting better, they make their life worse than they were in the previous uh, reincarnation. But in any case, the point of reincarnation is to fix things that you messed up. And specifically, there are 613 mitzvot and everybody has to accomplish 613 mitzvot to complete your, your soul. So what happens is if let's say a certain body got like 20% done, another body got 30% done, another body got 40% done, you have three bodies over here, and so you have all the bodies that equal up 100%, so they all contributed to this completing of the soul, so they all come back together, they all get resurrected, and all of them uh, are resurrected uh, together. The and they all like different beings? Mm-hmm. Uh, each one they have sparks. So that's interesting because the interesting question is, and I'm not sure about this, is that how would it work? Do you remember everything in the previous reincarnation right away in the beginning of resurrection? Possibly, yes. I don't know. In the next world, yeah. But over here, you know, it's it's interesting, interesting idea. So it's very interesting. So the spouses that come back will come back also with the with the same, uh, um, you know, with the. But it's also the woman has to fix things. So it's like. Each life they find each other. Yeah, the technically that's how it should be. If you marry the right one, which generally it is. The reason why there's so many divorces nowadays, not because people marry the wrong one, is rather because people did not, uh, you know, work it through the way it's supposed to. Granted, there are reasons for divorce, and there's supposed to be there are people that's supposed to get divorced. But yeah, so you meet the same one, you meet the one, and you build it on in, enough together. There is an idea that I did hear a while ago, and I couldn't find the source for it. Oh, maybe I, I don't remember. I, you know, there's like so much things that are floating in my head. Uh, but uh, don't say that to a psychiatrist, right? Uh, anyways, um, so the that it says like, let's say. You are married numerous times, so which spouse do you come back with? I did see the one that helps you, you know, accomplish the most. I did see that idea. Same idea with the body, the one that accomplished the most. But generally, you could all, uh, we're going to go with the opinion that, that everybody comes back to, uh, hopefully, is the plan. But how does one Shema divide it equally amongst, amongst ten bodies? It sparks. It's nitzotot. So that when a, when a, when a soul is, com- when a soul does a certain, uh, so if you look at the, at, um, the Shal Gurgulim, the Arizals, yeah, do you think of it, well, that nothing gets the, uh, you know, the track of it. But think of it a little bit differently that you have, um, you have levels. Oh, here's a perfect example. Gaming, right? We're speaking about gaming. So, in a certain games, if you pass a certain point, even if you die, you start again from that point. Everything else is saved. Unless, right, so a checkpoint. So you have that checkpoint. So think of it like this. So if you pass a certain point, whatever you got accomplished, that is already a checkpoint for you. It stays in the next world. That, that, soul, that part of the soul is completed. The second, that as you continue with checkpoints, you keep on, you, you keep on putting it in, and whichever soul, one soul had 10 checkpoints, another soul had 20 checkpoints, so, and they, and they will stay in that manner. The Ababanel says that no, so something very interesting, only the first body gets reincarnated. Only the first body gets reincarnated. So, the, um, 
but the idea is is that as long as people do not do sins, in, so let's say you are in multiple lifetimes, but one lifetime you did a sin that, that does not allow you to be reincarnated again. You violated one of the sins that doesn't allow you to be, not reincarnated, I'm sorry, to be resurrected. So that body will not be able to, but the previous bodies will be able to. This is not to say that, okay, I, you know, I for sure had a pretty, uh, you know, good body, you know, in the previous lifetime, so I could do whatever I want now. That's the most idiotic thing to say, but it's possible that not all the bodies will come back. If anybody wants, you can look into the Shalagagulim for more information on this. So, the, um, now let's speak a, bit, a little bit about, let's say a woman miscarries. And this question was actually brought to our Moshe Feinstein. It was brought to Moshe Feinstein. Let's say a woman goes and she, she gets, she's pregnant. And however long she was, you know, with the baby, she, she lost a child. Does that child get to be uh, brought back? So, what Moshe Feinstein actually says in Sanhedrin, brings this case in Sanhedrin, this is a straight out Gemara, in Sanhedrin, page 110b, that says like this, Ravina asks, he says, how old does a child have to be in order to be allowed to go in Olam Abba, in the world to come? And the answer is, is that a second, as, as soon as it was conceived. From conception. The moment that it was conception. So the Rashi explains over there that even if the mother miscarries, the embryo is lost, which means the child still has a share in the world to come. It's unbelievable. It's a, it, and there's also a lot of consolation for people that so didn't have uh, what they accomplished. But at the same point in time, they're very pure. They're holy. They're not, nothing, there's not, uh, they're very clean. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course, hundred percent. For what kind of tikkun can you make of a? It's sometimes, sometimes a soul just needs to have a little bit extra to have a, um, you know, it's, they're so they're such on a high level. They just need a little bit, and then they're clean. Sometimes they just have to be brought into the world again, just to be taken out again. Sometimes they have to be brought into the world, nursed, and then you know, unfortunately, pass. We don't know. We don't know God's. Uh, I heard a story, something similar. Um, this person was a convert. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they died. Yeah, because the only reason for them to go to the world above is they had to be born. Right. Like you. Right, right, right. That's, that's exactly. That's also the, it's exactly right. Okay. There's an interesting. Yeah. So that's a, that's a you know that's a very good question because it's not the baby's fault. Um, but it would appear that also the baby would do that. I mean, the parents will be liable for murder because abortion is not allowed under the law. Um, so the parents are considered to be as murderers, and it's interesting because one of the things that lose your share in the world to come is also a murderer. So it's interesting that fetus might be able to make it, but the parents might not to, to the resurrection. I'm guessing it's a regular thing, like if anybody gets killed. Get yeah, yeah. I mean, so I assume this, if the baby was conceived. The second the baby was conceived, and this question you can make it a lot, a lot more difficult. I don't want to get into it because there's, there's something called Plan B where you could have, take a certain after certain after certain point, point in time. However, um, you could still say, well, just go in the simple idea that once it's conceived, so it's already formed, and then it's it's counted already as uh, as a thing. Okay, last question, and then we'll do at that. What if what if you went with a shiksa and she she had it? So that's not even a Jewish baby. Yes. Yeah, so, so that baby doesn't have a share in the world to come. Would you count it as a murder? It's still considered murder. The question is, is, is non-Jews allowed to do it? But we should do a class on abortion once, maybe. Um, but uh, generally, for only Jews have a share in the world to come. Kol Yisrael Yeshem Chalak L'Olam Abba. Says the Mishnah. Do, do not Jews aborted babies? They should be. <laughs> Miscarriage, yeah. Oh, we'll speak about that. Okay, so let's see what the, the Zohar says something very... The, the Zohar, it's implied from the Zohar. It suggests... And this may be an in, bad interpretation of it, but that the period, this period, has to begin no later than 210 years in advance prior to the year 6000. So which means is by the year 5790, this process has to begin. 
or generally has to begin. And if you know, I gave, uh, um, what is it like, 11, 11, 12 years. 12 years. What? 12 years. Now you have my attention. I generally, by the way, if you ever look at, I gave like 11 classes or something on Mashiach, I would never, I, I, I'm against, I, I, 40 years after. It's a 40-year process. When, when the process to begin, Mashiach process to begin. So I generally don't like to put dates on things uh, because you could, you know, there's only things. Um, and we spoke about it in one of the first classes. But this is something that's pretty much straight out that it's, you know, from, you know. It's in the front. It's based on the Zara. I'll give you sources afterwards. Was that years from now? 12. 12 years from now. Okay. Five, yep. 5778. Let's see. Let's, let's now, let's turn a little bit to more interesting ideas on scientifically, um, bringing it up. So there's two basic, I have to just mention, I have to, I should have mentioned this earlier. I've got the, happens to be, it's not for the men's class. It's really from the girls class that I've been, cause, you know, posting them online. I get, um, I get numerous complaints. Can we have the questions at the end? It's very disruptive. So, uh, um, I, I should have mentioned maybe in the beginning of this one, but first of all, I want to thank everybody on, online that did that did message me because it's important. I need to know what the people feel like. I you know for me it doesn't bother. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I've had people sh- give shout outs before at one of my classes. You guys remember that? When there was a kid just like walked up over here and he's like, "Is this gonna be on the internet?" And he's like, ha! "You know, it's like you go ahead and shout it out." I mean, I don't think I I, I took it out. I, whatever, it was very cute, it was a little kid. But I'm saying, um, um, it is. I guess it's it's. Uh, so let's leave the questions to the end, and then we'll have um, all the questions that we can answer. Bizarre Hashem. Okay, so the um, let us understand some ideas. Uh, I want to share with you something from Rav Arya Kaplan. Rav Arya Kaplan, uh, you know, this is a fantastic and a fantastic idea how he how he works. So um, there is two opinions regarding the reincarnation. So there's a majority opinion held by, by Sadiagon, the Ravad, the Ramban, uh, many Kabbalists also that resurrection is a first step to the world to come. Which means is that you res- once a resurrection, that's it. You live forever. After that, it's it's a physical plane where the body and the soul unite and they live uh, and they live forever, and that is the way it's supposed to be. That is one opinion. The Gemara in Sanhedrin, chapter uh, page tw- ninety one, says that um, that Antoninus and Rebbe Antoninus so they used to always the uh, Roman um, emperor, uh, Roman governor goes and always would would speak with Rabbi Huda Nasi. So they went one time and he asked and he says uh, Rabbi Antoninus says to Rabbi he says you know the soul or the body they can escape judgment they could say listen they go to the body and and tell and go to God and say listen after I die the soul says why should I get punished it wasn't my fault look at the body the body is the one that sinned because look after I died I'm soaring free over here I'm I'm like doing only like nothing bad and, and then the body goes to God and be like look at after the soul left me I've been lying on the ground I wasn't doing anything so why should I get judged so every answer then says uh, and as a parable to a story that once there was a there was a lame man and a blind man. And the blind man, you know, he couldn't walk. And the blind man couldn't see. The king put them to guard his very precious garden. And, uh, you know, the lame man goes and he says, and he tells the blind man, he says, you know, I see beautiful, beautiful, you know, fruits over here. It looks so juicy. But he says, how am I supposed to get that? I can't walk and you can't see. You're not going to be able to get it. question is, why would a king put a blind man to a garden? <laughs> Something that's, a, you know, a question in itself. Um, but what, what, uh, what the blind man said, he says, listen, you put me on your shoulders... So, wait, it wasn't a lame man. It was, uh, um, it was a lame man? Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The blind, yeah. So the blind man, he goes on the blind man's shoulders, and the blind, and then he tells the blind man where to walk. And then he picks the tree, and they all have a nice dinner together. So they come back, all of a sudden, the king comes back, and he says, where's all my delicious fruits? So the blind man says, can I do it? I can't even see. And the lame man, can I even do it? I can't even walk. 
He's a good watchman. Um, he can't see and can't walk. So the king says, ah, oh, you think I can do that? He puts one on top of the other. He says, I can see how you guys did it. And then I'll judge you together like that. Uh, like that. The same thing God. God says, you can't fool me. You put, he puts us together and he, and he judges us. The same idea, God will bring the body and the soul back together and there will be a final judgment after when Bashiach comes. Okay. So they'll be judged as a complete person. That's why the Baal Shem Tov says that every night... When the soul goes up, you know, you give an accounting. You give a, a mini judgment is every single night when you go to sleep. That's why we say, You're saying there's, there's uh, um, you're requesting forgiveness. You're, you're also forgiving other people um, for in the prayers. Says about Shem Tov, then there is every year, there's a judgment. Rosh Hashanah, you get a judgment every single year. And then finally, you're judged at the end of our lives. After, you know, after 120, you get judged. And then finally, after Mashiach comes, you get judged for all the generations. Because all the, you know, all the reincarnations that you are, how many times you are in this world, you get judged as a full uh, picture. So now we have to understand, before we even go even further, what is the purpose? What is the pur- before we even get what is the purpose of reincarnation, what is the purpose of God creating the physical world? You ever think about this? Like, God is spiritual, the reward is spiritual. What is the point of us being over here? Let's just skip the middle, you know, cut out the middle one. Middleman. What's a good businessman? I don't need you anymore. I'll go to China myself. And, well, not necessarily because it's more, it's a lot of headache, but think of it. What is the whole purpose of this world? God is spiritual. Ultimately, we end up in spiritual. Why do we need to be in the spiritual plane? And I'm sorry, in the physical plane. So, to understand, first we have to look at what is the difference between spiritual and physical. And the answer is very simple. The difference is space. um, Physical space only exists in the physical world. In the spiritual world, there's no such thing as space. And what is this, what is the idea that, um, you, you can't, think of it this way, you cannot put polar opposites in the spiritual, you cannot put polar opposites in the spiritual world. It doesn't work together. Why? Because by definition, the polar opposite. There's no like, okay, let's try this. It's like, they're opposite and that's it. There's no like, trying to manipulate them together. On the other hand, in the physical world, you could put polar opposites together. And how, what's an example? A human body. We have a good inclination and we have an evil inclination. So we have both sides of this inclination. You put it, we're putting these two opposite forces inside a physical body. So the only way for us to combine these forces is only in the physical world. The, um, and the idea is, is like, that you cannot put yourself close to God in the next world because it's two separate, two separate creations. But in this world, you're able to put these polar opposites together. And that, that is the reason that God created this uh, physical world. And this is why angels, angels are known as standing. Right? You look at Zechariah chapter 3 verse 7, angels are standing beings. What does that mean that they're standing? They cannot advance in themselves. They cannot become better. They cannot go, they are staying the way that they are because they're in, they're in the spiritual realm. They cannot move. We are known as walking beings. We're able to walk. We're able to go for, forward or backwards. And that is the reason why God created the world because the only way that we would be able to gain anything in the spiritual world is only by being placed in the, in the physical world and then we'll be able to overcome certain things, certain tests, certain desires, and then raise us and raise the, the urges that we have into the spiritual uh, realm. So now, the, we mentioned that there's, there's two ideas on resurrection. So we said one. Number two is based off the Rambam, Maimonides, and Rabbi Huda Levi, that the world to come, we said the world to come before is, is uh, the ulama, the resurrection is going to be completely physical. Right? Remember that we said everything is going to be in the physical world, they live forever. There's another idea, which is it's going to be, it's, it's going to be spiritual. The entire world is going to, the entire world back then, after the resurrection is going to be a spiritual idea. But rather, what is the, the resurrection? That's like an in-between stage. It's like an in-between stage. So, what happens is, is that after a person dies, it goes into the spiritual world. Then, that is going to be interrupted with resurrection, and then they're going to return into the spiritual uh, realm that they were before. So, the, it, it's similar to, it's identical to Olam HaNeshamot, the world of souls. So, the idea according to this opinion is that a person 
let's say, lives, dies, goes to heaven, and then he gets resurrected, and then he goes back to the Olam, the, the heavenly, uh, the heavenly uh, area, and that stays on forever. So now, the... So he goes to the heaven in the physical body? He goes to heaven. No, he'll be back into. He will die again. Right, After yeah. he will die again and go to the spiritual in the spiritual realm. Can I bother you for some liquid? Thank you. Yeah, thank you. So how how it will happen? This is actually very interesting. How, how is it going to work? So I want to very briefly discuss the prophecy of Bicheskel. The um, guys, you have to silence your phones, please, in the class over here. <laughs> um, just kidding, it's mine for all those people online. Okay, so now, um, the the way that it works in Yechezkel is that uh, God came over to the, to the prophet and he says, you know, can they resurrect? God says, you know, you know he says to God, he says, I don't, I don't know, you, you know, you're God, you, you can do anything. So he says, start prophesizing that they're going to resurrect it. And he started, the, whatever, you look over there, chapter 37 in Yechezkel, and they started resurrecting. So how did they resurrect? First, the bones, and this is also reminds me of like that transformer thing, like everything like closed together. The bones started coming, the bones started forming together. You picture this, it's like, it's like unbelievable. And then the tendons started forming, and then the muscles started forming, and then the skin started forming. So it was like, it was like, like imagine like a sci-fi, you know, you know, idea, where the bones are just there, it was just bones. And all of a sudden it's like, you know, like everything just like, everything just comes uh, created. And then they stood up, and then they were walking around, like completely like, uh, uh, they were on the valley. They weren't on. The, they were on top of the ground. It was a valley of bones. So, the the Gemara actually describes. A, there's a dispute if this actually happened or this was just a vision. So, if you look at Bet Shemai, Bet Shemai says, "How will the resurrection happen? Will it be just like you know, like everything comes out on top?" And he says, "Yeah, that's how it's going to be. The the you know nowadays when a baby is formed." So for, first it begins with skin and flesh, and the bones and the tendons, they grow within it. If you ever see the formation of the baby, the baby grows inside, the bones grow afterwards. And that's why the form of the baby comes out a little misshaped, and then they sort of get into the, to the shape that they are meant to be. Um, that is what Beishamai says. So Beishamai says that's how it's in this world now, but in the next time when the resurrection comes, it's going to go the other way around. First it's going to be the bones, and then the, everything is going to come on top of that. Uh, so sort of the reverse of the process that we're doing right now. But Hillel says, no, no, no. He says, just like man is formed in this world, that's how they're going to be formed in the time of resurrection again. So the first will be the skin and uh, the formation and then the bones and everything will grow uh, within it. So, uh, the and, and this is the part, you have to like follow me a little bit. I know we're, we're throwing some ideas around. We're going to put it uh, all together very shortly. The Where is the location of the loose bones? So we said, it's, some people say that it's in the back of where you put the tefillin. In the back where you put the tefillin. Others people say that it's in the coccyx bone, the lowest bone of the spine. But this time of the resurrection, the, the Chazal tell us that it's gonna, this bone is gonna soften. It's gonna soften. And then from this, from this soft formation, it's going to go and it's gonna, uh, it's gonna form the entire body. Think of it like, like a liquid, like a milk, it explains it. So it'll be like a milk form, and then it will, uh, it will form into a, an entire body. Of, uh, similar to like the fetus, but not like a fetus, but it'll be like a, like a full body. So now, the, idea behind this is we have to understand something between a miracle and a non-miracle. And this is how the Rambam um, defends his opinion that it's only going to be temporary. We know that it, it appears to be an unbroken rule. This is what Arya Kaplan brings down. That a miracle is temporary. Every miracle, and that's why sometimes you, you, you look for you know, evidence of a miracle. Miracles are only temporary. Miracles are not, are not long, long-standing. So 
The Rambam says, you see, resurrection is a miracle. It's a miracle that it gets resurrected. And hence, if it gets resurrected, then it, therefore it's temporary, and therefore the, the, once a person gets resurrected, they die again, and then they enter the, the world of the Nishamot, the Olama Nishamot, uh, which is the Olama Ba, which, which is going to be in an entirely spiritual uh, realm. However, there is still an, uh, an opinion that says that the body would live forever. The body would actually physically live forever. The question is that if it's a miracle and it's only temporary, how could it live forever? So this is where Barry Kaplan, he brings, you know, genius how it's going to go. He says it, it may work like this, how he brings it into the scientific, you know, idea. He says that resurrection does uh, not need to involve any change of laws of nature. And he explains like this. He's saying so, the, you know, every, and if you look into DNA, or you look into any, um, you know, Genetic, uh, what is it called? Genetic engineering, all these types of, um, you know, that these areas of, in science, that every cell, every chromosome has enough information, enough genetic material needed to reconstruct the entire body. Right? So from one cell, you're able to reconstruct the entire body. You have a, a, a code in there, and this is how they would use, the, you know, the standard method of cloning nowadays, because, you know, like they, they clone, let's say, for example, animals. So that's how they do it. They build it off the, the genetic breakdowns of the DNA. So what they do is they take the chromosome of an unfertilized, unfertilized ovum and they place that in a cell that to be cloned and then that is placed in a womb and then it goes and, and, it, and it produces a genetic copy of the, of the chromosome donor, whoever, uh, you, know, uh, you know, whatever that was taken from. So now we, what we see over here is that you need a certain amount of genetic um, you know, or chromosomes, genetic material, uh, DNA, sufficient enough of information needed, and from that you can reconstruct an entire body. So I understand that from somebody who's alive. Somebody who's alive, if we are able to, you know, do cloning at a sort of point in time scientifically, then you're able to, to take someone who's alive now and do a, a uh, you know, a carbon copy of that person. And even somebody who's dead. Someone who's dead recently, you're still able to, to get the, to extract that gen, the genetic, the DNA, and clone that person as well. But what about somebody who is, you know, been dead for like thousands of years? You have nothing. What are you going to be able to find them? So there's also something very interesting because it, it appears from the czar that all this in a sterile condition. So it also, you know, you could even say it that way. And there's also there's a there's like the dew of resolu- of uh, resurrection. The dew of resurrection. Think of it as a solution, uh, like a nutrient solution to to uh, form the the body. So and by the way, if it wouldn't be Rabbi Yaakov, I wouldn't even you know say these you know these ideas in it. But it's interesting how he formulates it. So let's say so now we have people that were alive and let's say they die or whatever, or people that recently died, we're, and say we're able to, to genetically code them and, and clone them, then we're okay for those. What about people that are, that are you know, passed away centuries ago? So we know that Rizal was able to locate graves of who, which righteous person was buried. He would be able to walk it through. Walk it says, here's where this tzaddik is buried, that's where this tzaddik is buried. Just walk through the field and point out which people, where people are buried. And we know that one of the requirements of resurrection is prophecy. So it could be, this is where the prophetic, uh, you know, prophecy can be, can be used. And, it, and even furthermore, by Kaplan explains, he says, you might not even need any information. You don't even need the body. Why not? He says, because, you know, if you have the DNA, if you have the information, the information is the information. If you could, you know, you could duplicate the information, you just need to know all the information. So if you add that information, you don't even need the body. You could duplicate it based on all the, the I, I don't know what the information, all the chromosomes, all the DNA. You could go and duplicate the entire body uh, in itself. So, the question is, how do we get this information? People have been dead thousands of years. And this, says Rabbi Eric Kaplan, could be where prophecy comes into play. 
So it could be through prophetic, you know, vision, you'll be able to, to say, you know, input into a computer data or whatever it is, what the, what the original chromosome, what the original DNA was, and from that to reconstruct an entire body. Very interesting, you know, idea. So, uh, but at the same point in time, even if you construct a carbon copy of the body, the body's not gonna be, you need a soul. That you need 100% has to come down for God. Memories, memories you can you can introduce. The soul you can introduce. That all has to come uh, from from God. But why? What is the reason of of going to this idea? Because now, now we just proved that it's possible. Technically, you could say that resurrection can happen in a natural way. Now, if a resurrection resurrection can happen in a natural way, even though it's miraculous as it seems, but it's through natural reasons, then it's not going to be subjected to the temporary idea of a miracle. Hence, if it's not subjected to the temporary idea of a miracle, it will be able to actually last forever. And this is how he explains the opinion according to the, to the opinion that the majority that says that it will that the resurrection uh, will be a physical body and it's going to last uh, forever. Okay. Let's close a few uh, close ends, and we'll finish something uh, very nice with the Khatan and Kala. The, um, what happens if a person dies? If a person, let's say a person is, uh, you know, alive, they're married to their wife, and comes Mashiach, the resurrection, they both die and they come back to life. Do they need to redo their Kiddushin? Do they have to get remarried again, or is it sufficient that they were married before? It's like, you know, like such a short period of time, and it's good, and it counts. And the answer is, they don't, they, the, the Kiddushin remains. That, that it remains. If they die, and they get immediately resurrected, so you guys are know you're good already, that's it. If it happens, you're, you're still, you don't have to go through all that, uh, all that stuff again. Um, but, however, if there is a mass resurrection of the dead that occurs, they will need new Kiddushin. Now, what happens, um, what happens if, let's say, somebody gets cremated? I think Moshe was asking that. What about somebody that gets cremated or burnt? So there's people that cremate themselves, um, which, you know, obviously from a lack of Jewish understanding, don't know why, and which was explain why you're not supposed to get cremated. They, no, not necessarily. And there are people that get burnt. You know, people in the Holocaust, unfortunately. Right? And they got, uh, they, they got, uh, cremated. Well, technically, uh, you know, into, in, in those, uh, in, in the concentration camps. So, First of all, we have to realize why we can't get cremated. Number one is there's a mitzvah to get buried. There is an actual mitzvah to, to be buried. Number two, it's a disrespect to the body. We hold the body at a very, very high respect. And in fact, if God forbid you ever, you know, ever see a car accident where a Jewish person passes away, they even take the blood and they bury the blood with it. If there's uh, unfortunately body parts, they, they bury everything together. They even come and they scoop up blood from the floor and also to put it in a bag and it gets, and it gets buried together with the person or it gets buried right on top of the coffin. Um, so the the it's a respect disrespect to the body, but also there is a special atonement for being buried. There is a, the decomposition of the body is actual serves as an atonement for the soul, and if it doesn't get that, the soul doesn't get its its uh, full full atonement. So, however, it's still possible, and you know, for somebody who got. Um, you know, cremated, especially, especially talking about people in the Holocaust, people that wasn't even beyond their, their abilities to get uh, resurrected as well. There's interesting, what happened in the, in the, after, you know, after the resurrection? Will there be eating? Will they be procreating? So I saw two uh, conflicting opinions. Some say that there will be, just like it was now, and some say no, that it, that it will uh, not be. Um, Benish Chai also writes that a person has to go, and a person has to also honor his parents. Because now, if you think about it, he died. Now he came back to life by God, or if you want to say through the you know science, whatever it was that, that he, he was brought back to life. Does he still have to do kibbut abe'im, you know, to that? And the Benishkai says, yeah, he still uh, needs to. And finally, I want to finish off with a with a with an idea regarding uh, non-Jews. What will non-Jews do in the time of the of of uh, Mashiach after which after the resurrection? So first of all, the Gemara in Sanhedrin, Sanhedrin page ninety one b says that first of all, death 
will cease from Israel. So this, I uh, had to understand that the Jew, basically the soul or the body will live on forever. But the non-Jews, the Gentiles, they will live long, but not eternal lives. So the Quran asks the question, but what is the non-Jews going to, what's their, what's their place in the next, in, in, uh, in, in the time after the resurrection? And it says they will be the ones who serve the people that serve Hashem. But another interesting idea is do the non-Jews get resurrected? And this is very hard to find, you know, always, always very difficult to find, like, yeah, halakhot or things regards to non-Jews, because in general, you know, the, the current books that we have, especially the more modern books, are dealing with the Jewish people, because this is what we, you know, this is what we, we spread out to lot. But, um, so I saw that there's actually, a, you know, an opinion that righteous, we know that righteous Jews do have, righteous non-Jews, I'm sorry, do have a share in the world to come, and that righteous Gentile can uh, come back. There's actually an opinion that says that all people, all the not, all the Gentiles are going to are going to be resurrected, but the wicked ones are going to sh- be just to just be resurrected to show their downfall, the entire whatever it is that they work for, and the uh, and the righteous will be enjoying of the of the of the benefit. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.